morning. Well, we thank Tim and the others for helping this morning. Aaron's on vacation, and so uh, we're very thankful that Tim would step in. In the first service, he said they were going to call this Aaron Hunt Appreciation Sunday <laughs> because they feel how much they appreciate him, which is wonderful. Um, it's pretty hot in here, isn't it? A little warm. We can all acknowledge that we're hot. It is a dry heat, and there was some arrogance there in the nodding of your hot. So, um, this is also Father's Day this morning, so we're, uh, we'd like to say Happy Father's Day, but as a church community, we understand that for some of you fathers uh, or just men here, this is not a joyous day. This is a hard day for you, just like Mother's Day is hard for uh, many women who are not able to have children or are not married, whatever the case may be, and it's the same for fathers. So I don't think it's a blanket, happy Father's Day, we're just going to rejoice in this day. Uh, If this is a hard day for you, we're glad you're here with us. You can feel the feelings you have. Uh, It's also, if you are here and you are a father and it's a joyous day, we rejoice with you. And this is a community. This is what we're called to be, to meet each other where we're at. So in my life, it's an interesting day, trying to figure out what do you do on Father's Day? I have many, if you don't know, I have four children. My wife passed away last year. And so it's just readjusting to what these days mean. And many of you are in the same situation. So this morning, we're going to look at uh, another I am saying of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 8. And we'll look at ver- verse um, 12. <clears throat> John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, these chapters, John chapter 7 and 8, Jesus is speaking to the crowd uh, down near the temple, and he continues to speak as he says this. What's happening during this time is the Feast of Booths. It's also called the Feast of Tents. Feast of Tabernacles. It is the uh, Jewish celebration of God guiding and protecting and providing for the Israelites as they were set free from their bondage in Egypt. And what happened were in the temple, lights were lit in the temple, so so many lights that the temple lit up the city. So it wasn't Jesus just standing there and thinking, I'm going to say I'm the light of the world. Uh, It was everyone looking at this temple in all its glory. And then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And it's hard in our context because we read things and think, oh, it's Jesus just saying I'm the light of the world, and we sort of move on. But the original audience would hear this, and they would maybe take a double take of, no, the temple is the light. What you're claiming is something completely different from anyone that's ever said anything. What this is celebrating, this is an all-night party. This is, uh, the temple is lit up, and this is a multi-day party. And this celebrates God saving the Israelites and giving them water in the desert and light to guide them. What this celebrates is that God has not left his people on their own. So the Israelites were not set free from bondage and then taken a little distance and then they were, God just said, well, there you go. Now, just go and do whatever you think you need to do for me. 
uh, but God continued to lead them. And what we have is Jesus fulfilling this and Jesus saying, I am the light. I am the one who will show you who God is. I am the one who's going to show you who God is to you. So on the last day of the feast, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is proclaiming that he is the true light. And as one author puts it, no other light can show us the truth about God, about ourselves, about life, death, and eternity. No other light can inspire us to become what we truly are meant to be. No other light can guide us in the paths of righteousness. So after the Exodus, when they were, the Israelites were set free, in Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 13, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of fire to lead them along the way. And by night, the pillar of fire to give them light, that they, may, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, did not depart from before the people. And this is when Jesus is proclaiming, I am the light. He's also proclaiming that he is with them, that he is leading them. He is not saying, I'm going to show you where the light is. Um, I'm, he's not saying that he's, with his philosophy or teaching, he's going to show them where the light is. He is telling them, it is me. There's no other light that will illuminate who you are as a person, who God is, what you're called to do with your life, than Jesus. This is a dramatic proclamation. And the Jewish leaders understood what Jesus is saying, and their reaction is to destroy him. And we'll see that later at the end of this chapter. Because he's too much of a threat to their way of life. That's exactly who Jesus is. As a light of the world, in one way, he is a threat to the regular way of your life, to the way that you and I like to manage and control our lives. He is a threat to that. Not in an evil way that he will destroy us, but in a way that he wants to take those things apart and he wants you to truly see who God is and who you are and the life that you are called to live. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light. So as Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what does this mean? We're going to look at four attributes of people just in this chapter who understand th this, uh, what Jesus is claiming, that he is the light of the world. And we'll see what that does to the way they think and act. The first one, it's the second part of the verse of, uh, of the saying, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the first characteristic of someone who understands that Jesus is the light is that they will not walk in darkness. So what does this mean? Well, uh, darkness, death are many times ways that God phrases the sinful effects of this world. Sin loves the darkness, and it grows like mold in the darkness. Jesus exposes what you desire to hide in the darkness. So for someone to be, Jesus to be the light of the world, there is an external movement of the light, that we are to be people that are lights in this world to uh, illuminate 
who God is and what he's calling people to, to be. But there's also something about Jesus being the light of the world that he desires to light up and illuminate your own desires and the way that you desire to live. But our tendency as human beings, because of uh, the way that we so desire sin, is to hide parts of our life. And we hide them in the dark. And we'll claim, yes, Jesus is the light of the world, and he lights up and illuminates, but then we keep parts of our life because we are not interested in Jesus actually illuminating and transforming those areas of our life. So a real direct question, what are areas in your life that you see, what are motivations, desires, passions that you have that you are much more concerned to keep hidden than to actually let those be exposed to Jesus and to, to, able, to be able to risk and see what will the light of the world do with this? How will shining light on the darkness bring healing, restoration, forgiveness? How will that draw you into repentance? How will you um, battle shame in your life because of those dark things? How will exposing them allow you to really see God's grace and mercy and forgiveness? Because the more that you keep those things hidden, the more you will get frustrated with hearing the words grace, forgiveness. Because you're not willing to let God see those things. But it's not easy. But this is what Jesus wants to do. He wants you to illuminate the life that is around you. The best way he does that is actually to illuminate your own heart and your desires. And the more richly we can experience God's grace, the more richly we can see God's grace extend out from us and illuminate the world outside of us. So attribute of knowing that Jesus is the light of the world is that you don't walk in darkness that you allow God to expose areas of your life that you would rather just keep hidden? Why is exposing your hidden sin so threatening? Why are you hoping, what are you hoping to gain by keeping sin hidden? I think there's a level that we, we would rather manage our life than actually open up, allow God's light to penetrate our heart that is a lot more scary than just managing our own life and keeping some things hidden because you just think it's just better. You can have some kind of joy or happiness or pleasure instead of really trusting God what true joy and happiness and pleasure is. Why do you hold on to those areas? What are those areas? Jesus illuminates us internally, exposing our sin but then he also illuminates us externally as people who shine the light of grace. And the more you and I will let God deal with those hidden things, the more we will be gripped by his grace. One of the songs we sang this morning, Awake My Soul, one of the verses says, I trust no other source or name. Nowhere else can I hide. This grace gives me fear. And this grace draws me near. And all that it asks, it provides. This is God's grace. We do have a sense of fear because when we do let God's light shine on those areas, we do feel in a sense that we're naked. 
But what we don't remember in those moments is that this is the work of God. This is what he does. This is his job, to meet you in those moments, to expose those things, to allow you to see that he loves you, even in the midst of that. And what he wants to do is take the guilt and shame away from those things, to let them be exposed, to walk you down a path of healing and restoration and fullness of joy. And this is all a part of Jesus being the light of the world. Too many times we think of Jesus being the light of the world only as an external thing. And then we, we come and we read it and we think, I need to be more lit up outside. I need to be, do more Christian activities, uh, whatever it is. And I tell you what, that is the easiest thing to do. That is so much easier than actually letting God deal with the root and motivation of your actions. But the challenge is, do you understand God's promises and his word enough to hold on to his grace and to let him into those areas? We shouldn't tell everyone all of our junk, but we should be, we're called to be a community that people can extend what's dark in their heart, and then we also should be a community that we can hear what's dark in their heart. That we shouldn't be shockable people. When someone shares their darkness, we don't gasp, but we realize what a blessing it is that this person has come to a point where they want to be honest. And we can embrace them and we can walk with them in this. And we can see how God will meet them. So one characteristic of knowing Jesus as the light of the world is we don't walk in darkness. Verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So another characteristic of people who understand uh, Jesus is the light of the world is that they abide in his word. That you and I abide in Jesus. We begin to value abiding in his word and in his truth and in relationship with him more than we value our own collection of things in this life. Your value system begins to change from hiding and building your own kingdom to allowing God to expose what is in the darkness and abiding in this truth. What does it look like for you to abide in his word? This is a characteristic of someone who understands that Jesus alone is the light of the world. You will not walk in darkness, and you will abide in his word. Verse 36 says, So if the Son of Man sets you free, you will be free indeed. So another characteristic of someone understanding that Jesus is the light of the world is that you will live in freedom. Uh, we all have a misunderstanding of what freedom is, though. We, we think uh, just naturally that freedom is there are no bounds, that I could do whatever I want. And we understand that is ultimate freedom. But it's not. That is actually the path of ultimate destruction. Ultimate freedom is you understand what truth is. You understand what grace is. You understand how God loves you. He's transformed you. Your identity is held in that. And with that, you then feel freedom 
to walk in faithfulness and to extend grace where really there's nothing in you that wants to extend grace or extend love or forgiveness when there's nothing in you that craves to do that for someone. That's freedom. Freedom is when you are no longer slaves to sin and darkness, but when God has led you to value abiding in the true light of Jesus. One mark of this is when we know the grace of God in exposing our own sin, bringing bringing it to the light, and knowing forgiveness. So those who understand Jesus as the light of the world, they don't walk in darkness. They're abiding in in his word, and they know freedom. Verse 51 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. A few verses later, it says he'll never, they'll never taste death. It's another characteristic of someone knowing Jesus is the light of the world, that you will never taste death. That the fear that you have, that at the end of your physical days here, that it's over. If you know that Jesus is the light of the world, you understand there's a veil. And when we pass from this life to the next, our union with Christ, our joy in the Holy Spirit, our peace does not change, does not dramatically stop. It actually becomes full. Knowing the light of Jesus means that we don't see death as the end. and We've begun to stop valuing life by what you can accomplish for your own name, and for your own sake. You begin to see Jesus is really the light of the world. Then giving your time and resources and talents and energy to things that he is calling you to give is the most worthwhile thing you will ever do with your life. So to know Jesus as the light of the world, you will not walk in darkness. You will abide in his word. You will know freedom. And you won't fear death. Jesus is the light. But people love the darkness. Jesus brings life, light, freedom, truth in the midst of death, darkness, bondage, and lies. Jesus is the remedy for what ails you. The life of shame that you face because you would rather hide your sin than bring it to the light. Jesus is the gracious light. He is the one that will walk with you and you'll know his grace. The bondage that you live under because you can't bear to see freedom as an option. Jesus is the giver of freedom. The weightiness you live with because you fear the coming of death, feeling like you need to hold it all together. Jesus has defeated death. What we have in this chapter is the beginning of chapter 8. We have the attempted stoning of the adulterous woman. And at the end of this chapter, we have the attempted uh, stoning by the religious leaders of Jesus. So the the bookends of of this chapter are um, stonings that people are angry and they want to destroy. Let me read the first story. This is Jesus interacting with the adulterous woman. And think about how is Jesus the light of the world 
to this woman. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down, taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. They reveal her darkness. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger in the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they all went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, Lord, no one. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go now, and from now on, sin no more. This is a woman who is not voluntarily exposing uh, sin and struggle in her life. This is a woman who is dragged out publicly and the, the goal is to shame her, to use her as an object so the religious leaders can feel much better about themselves. And what does Jesus do? He meets this woman as the light of the world. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Do you see this is how Jesus wants to uncover the darkness in your life? He does not come to bring shame and guilt. He comes because he wants you to be a restored person, restored from the inside out, not just your activities outwardly, but he wants your desire to be transformed. He wants what you long for in life to be transformed, so you long for Jesus as the light of the world. At the end of this chapter, we have Jesus before the religious leaders. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. This is Jesus saying, he is fully God. And the religious leaders completely understand it. This is their response. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple. Do you see the big difference between uh, the adulterous woman? She was exposed. She needed something. She felt her need. As the darkness was stripped away and light was, sh light was shining on it. Do you see the religious leaders, their reaction to Jesus, the light of the world, shining the light on the dark areas of their life? Their reaction is, let's kill him because he will destroy us. Because he will destroy what they have built their life on. The great danger in seeing Jesus as light of the world and then being someone that has no interest in that light shining in your heart, no interest in abiding in God's word, you have no interest in being transformed internally, is that at some point you will turn and you'll have the same view of the religious leaders because you'll be annoyed with Jesus. But it comes back to, will you allow God, will you allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the hidden 
darkness, sin in your life so that you can know full and complete restoration. Will you allow him to do that? This morning, as we gather like we do every Sunday morning, we get to celebrate the Lord's table. And this is a time we come and we all get to let God search our hearts and repent of our sin and acknowledge that uh, we understand how strong Jesus holds on to us, stronger than any darkness you could have in your heart. And we're called to live a life of faith in Jesus and repentance of our sin. Let me pray as we come to this table this morning. Lord God, you are abundantly gracious. And you know our weakness. You know the desire, the great desire that we have to manage our own life and create our own pleasure and joy. What we ask this morning is that Jesus, the light of the world, would shine on the dark places. And we would be people who would be honest with struggles honest with doubt, and that you would meet us there. And we would know your gentleness and your peace as you walk with us. In your name we pray. Amen.